are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, Locked On Browns. Um, as the good lady says, your team every day. Um, guys, I wanted to do something fun here. Obviously, you know, this week with you know Senior Bowl week, a lot of that takes up the coverage everywhere. Uh, you know, Joining me tonight, and we're going to put some juniors here under the PFF lens draft-wise with John Costco. We're going to do a little junior bowl, uh, you know. So if you're looking, you know, me and John, we'll, 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 we'll take a sponsor. You know, it ain't got to be Reese's. It's going to be something small, Jolly Ranchers, whatever it may be. Uh, but we're going to go through some, uh, you know, some of the bigger names here, junior-wise. Uh, we're going to get you one more, uh, you know, senior bowl episode uh, with Pete, who's down there, and obviously, you know, had to find a way to kill 30 hours in Mobile, Alabama. But luckily, he found a way to eat his way through. So we'll get to Pete later on. We'll get some, you know, more thoughts from Senior Bowl, which was a much nicer weather day-wise Thursday, and able to get to see a little bit more. Obviously, get to see anything, uh, you know, from there. Um, John, first off, man, it, it's been a while, uh, and, and I was looking for a way we can start getting shifting into, you know, into some draft talk with you, PFF wise, and, and it just been too long, John. It was time. Yeah, definitely. It's it's uh, been a few weeks. Uh, obviously, sad. The Browns season is obviously over and we're sticking to the now to the Super Bowl but uh yeah I missed it and it's good to be back on the pod all right so uh where we're gonna roll this in this is gonna be one and I know it's been fun between PFF and I know it's been fun between a lot of guys and what started maybe in mid to late October the Quinn and Williams Ed Oliver debate um I think it's gotten more tilted into Quinn and Williams favor as it's gone on um, so it's going to be interesting, and actually I was talking with a, a couple of guys down in Mobile, and I was saying, I'm like, guys, give me a skinny. What does everybody down there think Ed Oliver's going to weigh? And it seems the consensus is the max is going to be around 280. So that's going to definitely cause some hesitation, even if you love Ed Oliver's film, out, uh, you know, to the moon and back. But, you know, be that as it may here, uh, give me some thoughts here on Ed Oliver, and then, you know, John, I'm going to let you kind of get into it and, you know, debate both sides here and, and give us some info on these two. Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of the, obviously Ed Oliver was like the main dude in the off season before, you know, in the summer and everything like that. And uh, I think that for most people, the question mark was, was his uh, pass rushing ability, even though like um, when you talk to some people like, like Pete Smith, who goes, no, he had enough sacks, he's good in the pass rushing in one year or something like that had, had that, but really what we do at PFF is, is break down how these sacks occur and how pressures occur. And, and, and a lot of times pressures is, is a, you know, predictive uh, measure of future sacks. Even if you get a ton of pressures and you don't have a lot of sacks, you're going to, you're affecting the game uh, in more ways than just getting a sack. And a lot of what Ed Oliver's uh, sacks were in, in previous seasons were, were cleanup sacks uh, or unblocked something that was schemed up or was an effort thing where, Somebody else got pressure and it flushed to him, and uh, he just happened to be the recipient of the sack. Um, and he's never had, met, you know, m- big numbers for sacks. Anyways, he's, I think he's had five in, in both, you know, both the uh, freshman and sophomore years. This year, he only had three. Um, and so that's what we're trying to separate. And uh, even though you know five sacks from an interior defensive lineman, that's that's solid. The thing is, is that he wasn't getting many pressures out. You're good. This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports College Football and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Joined. I would love. That's very nice. If anybody was interested, that may have been a little tidbit of the Stick to Football live podcast last evening. So if anybody wanted a tidbit there. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Ed Oliver, he, he 
wasn't getting a lot of pressures in, in every single year. And finally this year, he actually was performing pretty well as a pass rusher. But it was obviously for only one season, and it was you know only three quarters of the season. So we're looking at a player who phenomenal run defender. I mean, he's going to step into NFL day one, and and probably be a good uh, NFL you know run defender. But can he you know translate to getting pressures and getting sacks and uh, affecting it as a pass rusher? Because you, as a run defender, it's like the least valuable thing that he can possibly do. Um, and so that's where the for me why he's he's much lower like on say on my board i know that uh he's got the all the athleticism in the world but you all talk about an undersized defensive tackle that doesn't rush the passer uh all that well uh that could spell problems in the nfl especially you know it doesn't matter if you're lining him up as a three tech where you're gonna he's gonna have uh fewer double teams and whatnot so you look at a guy like quinnon williams who uh obviously in 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 limited snap numbers uh you know, last year with Alabama, and then finally was thrust into the starting role this year. He was he was great last year as as a you know all around, um, just on 151 snaps, bump it up to 645 this year. Crushed the system this year because the best graded defensive player we've seen in college football since we've started doing college grading. Uh, had 10 sacks this year, 16 hits, 30 hurries fantastic as a run defender i mean lots you, know, you watch any of those big you know prime time games i'm ahead this year he was you know by far and away the best player on the field every single week um had essentially you know fantastic grades in every single game of the year um i mean he had four sacks and against lsu um alone so and you're talking about a guy that just gets run stops he gets he beats double teams he's quick enough explosive enough and uh, easily for us, one of the top guys in this draft because he can do it as a run defender and as a pass rusher, uh, and he's playing a lot of snaps as a nose tackle, so he's getting a lot of double teams on him and still winning. Um, I, you know, people people always look for the next Aaron Donald. He's not the next Aaron Donald. Nobody is until somebody can do that. And but the thing is, he still can be an extremely good uh, player in the NFL. That you know, I, I think. You know, early on in his career could be you know flourish into a, a top ten defensive tackle. Yeah, and the one thing you got to worry about with Oliver though is is you know obviously you know there's the you know you know gradually add weight, but um, if you're going to lose the elite athleticism as the weight gets put on, then maybe what do you have at the end of the day? Um, if he can gradually get bigger and with better with technique and you know kind of the way Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say, you know, there is a little bit of an undersized defensive tackle, and obviously, you know, Aaron Donald, the baddest boy in the barn right now in the game, the defensive tackle position, that's fantastic, but, you know, it, it comes at a, well, maybe one day he gets to that, and and I do agree there's some of, he is not Aaron Donald now, and that's that's a key thing, and the other thing we got to see with Aaron Donald is, we got to see Aaron Donald go down to Mobile, Alabama, and, you know, go against 22- and 23-year-old offensive linemen who, you know, were his peers going through the draft cycle and watch him beat the living daylights out of every single one of them. So you were like, okay, yeah, you can see it. And even still, he got drafted lower than he should have for the production and the player that he's become. Uh, Quinnen Williams. He was the Rams' second pick in that draft, too. Who who was the first one? Was Uh, was that Gurley? uh, Or no, was it the year before? Oh, no, no. So here... I'll, I'll look it up as you as you talk some stuff. Or well, and now with Quinn and Williams, it's more of the look. You know, Bama. Look, there's you know, you can go to Bama, and there's you know, 
Right now, there's probably 12 first-round picks on the Alabama roster that nobody even knows yet unless you follow high school recruiting. Um, Quinnen Williams, it was just the time of finally getting his spot on the main stage. Um, look, I mean, to talk about Quinnen Williams, it's almost a little bit ridiculous here, Browns fans, because unless you trade up to the top three, there's not a chance in hell he's going to be part of this organization. Ed Oliver, the way it's been working, it used to be the, you know, he was right in that talk of top three, top four. Now you're slowly starting to see Mox where he's 14 to Atlanta, which puts him within the periscope and within the possibility of he could trickle down. Um, For what he can give you, I, I, I mean, it, it wouldn't be insane if he was available at 17. It's going to be, you know, on what, you know, the Browns, obviously the front office thinks of him, you know, where he actually ultimately is going to come in measured as. I mean, if you're talking 6'1 and change and 280, it's definitely going to cause a lot of hesitation with a lot of people. Did you find that first round pick for us? I sure did, and this is kind of a doozy. It's Greg Robinson. Well, that's right, 2014. Yeah, I, I can't believe I forgot that one, and especially with the fact that you know a certain article came out today and talking about the 2014 draft and everything. So, um, yeah, so it's uh, you know now he's on the Browns, but I agree with you that like it'll be interesting to see what the Browns do at 17 because. Uh, Ed Oliver has been dropping, and he's definitely going to be in play at that 17th position because um, I know in in previous years, or you know, before the advent of of better stats and 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 our our grading, and and a lot of you know every single NFL team uses our our data, um, whether people that don't like us want to admit it or not, we do influence kind of um, you know how they they set their their boards in a, in a bit. So um, teams are are recognizing that it's a, a passing league and you need to be able to, to obviously pass the ball or stop the pass, and there's two ways to stop it, which is coverage and, and pass rushing. Um, and so a run-defending defensive tackle isn't going to be going in the top 10. You saw it last year where uh, you know Vita Vea went, well, I think it was 13. He's definitely not a pass-rushing defensive tackle, but... Um, you know, Washington's not the, the foremost in, in analytics or whatever. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's a guy that obviously has a ton of talent, um, has the, the athleticism. Uh, he just needs, I'd say, obviously better coaching. And, you know, you can develop those pass rush moves because if he's able to do that, he can, be you know, develop into an elite pass rusher. It's just not something that we've seen yet and would be a big red flag for myself and I wouldn't take that risk. I'd let somebody else do it because when it really comes down to it, a defensive tackle isn't, you know, at, at when it comes to winning NFL games, that's not going to be the position that that wins you games. It's it's more so with your cornerbacks, your, your coverage guys first on and and definitely your edge rushers. So well, and the other thing, though, is, and you know, and this is something we're going to get into, and guys, and we've been starting to harp on this here now, is if the Browns are going to be a better team, the second half of a lot of games, the Browns are going to be playing a lot more nickel and dime because they're going to be ahead. So now if John says, look, I'm not so sure we're going to have Ed Oliver on the field in passing situations, then you just pit, spent pick 17 on a guy who could maybe take 30 to 35 snaps on a good week. And, it's just and you know what? Go ahead. Uh, Wilkes uh, last year in, in Arizona, 90% sub packages. 90%. 
Wow, 90. So there you go. There's even another red flag as far as Ed Oliver and Cleveland as a destination. So it's something to think about. Um, guys, um, as we you know get closer and closer here to Super Bowl 53, uh, my good buddies over at Locked On Rams, my good buddies over at Locked On Patriots, these guys are busting their butts right now. Uh, Mark Schofield does Locked On Pats. I know he's in Mobile right now. So, I mean, he's trying. He's swinging double duty right now. These guys are putting in a lot of work. Uh, anything you want, Super Bowl related, anything Rams, Patriots-wise, Locked On Rams, Locked On Pats, check out both shows. Now, uh, I guess we'll stick with the D-Taco motif here. Um, and one of the names I chose here is Jeffrey Simmons. And look, there is a little bit of an incident off the field with Jeffrey Simmons. Knowing John Dorsey and the track record that John brings, it's probably not something that's going to change John Dorsey's mind on the player of Jeffrey Simmons. If he feels with it, me, look, guys, I kind of stay consistent with this stuff. So if it's a no on some of these guys, it's kind of got to be a no on all of them for me. But then again, I'm not Buddy Boy sitting in the big chair. So give me some thoughts here. Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State, John. Yeah, so his, his incident was in high school. Um, you know, I, I, he for in terms of a track record with, with John Dorsey, he, he obviously drafted Tyreek Hill, whose incident had happened, you know, many years prior. Um, uh, no, unexcusable, inexcusable, obviously. But, um, you know, who knows how, how Dorsey sees this stuff. I know that I'm, I'm all for giving players second chances because if, if – you know, if your stupid 16-year-old self was was dumb or however old he was, um, go through. There's obviously, a, a, to me, there's a path that you can re- redeem yourself. Um, you know, and 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 become a much better person uh, because of a really bad situation. Uh, that being said, now Jeffrey Simmons is a fantastic football player. Um, whether you know you want him on your board or not. Uh, he's a guy that can rush the passer and and stop the run at an elite level. He he was one of our top graded uh, defensive tackles in in all of college football. Uh, disruptive, explosive, great with his hands. Can has multiple different moves that he can deploy to get after the quarterback. Um, this year, you saw his his pass rushing numbers uh, maybe take a little step back. So he had and. 2017 he had eight sacks three hits and 30 hurries this year was four sacks seven hits and 21 hurries um but you're looking at a, at a guy that his his actual uh, the quickness at which he was getting to the quarterback and defeating defenders which much was much much better uh than it was you know, it was in 2017 so he's he, he's more explosive and he's obviously still growing so he there is that aspect to him and then he's a guy that um doesn't miss all that many tackles he just missed five all season um, and also had 35 tackles along with uh, 35 stops. So either is in the in the passing game or in the run game. So uh, great all around player, both in against the run and as a pass rusher, um, and has a multitude of moves that he can win with. Yeah. So Simmons, I mean, the the game and the tape is definitely legit and viable. Um, guys, uh, you've you know where I stand on a player like Jeffrey Simmons. So I mean, it's it is what it is. Um, now look, obviously, you know, well, I hear we're covering the Cleveland Browns. Uh, guys, we'll give you something what you want. Uh, you know, last night we had a show where Nick Bosa didn't get the flavor that you were all were hoping for, but we're going to shift it on over here inside. Mr. Draymond Jones, John, what do you got? Yeah, he, he's a, uh, explosive player, really great again, uh, as a pass rusher. Um, not the greatest as a run defender. He doesn't anchor all that well. Uh, but what you're, you're looking for, uh, you know, uh, is is the pass rushing ability which he has and he's he was one of the best in the nation at that had 10 sacks one of the few uh interior defenders with uh double digit sacks it was obviously Quinnen, Draymond and then 
Mustafa Johnson from Colorado. So, uh, but Draymond also doubled it up with you know with hits. He had 15 of those and 27 hurries. You look at you know did it on more pass rushing snaps than what Quinnen was able to do. So it wasn't as quite as as impressive a performance as Quinnen's uh, uh, season, but. He was still a guy that was able to get after the quarterback, and, and that's what he is. is he, he's an explosive penetrator, um, not great against the run, and maybe that's because he's compl- always selling out for the pass, but that's not necessarily a bad thing in my opinion um, because it's obviously a more important thing to be able to get those, those sacks and those pressures. So um, he's maybe a little bit undersized, but I, he's, he's a player that will – will be a good good NFL player in in this league and um obviously is available you know could be in consideration at 17 uh cuz I think he is a first round talent when it comes to uh pass rushing defensive tackle which teams do covet. Well and, and look that's what you you got to be able to do a little bit of both and I also think you know if they want to mix things up you know there's ways he could end up you know in some reps on the outside. And that's what you want. You, I mean, you want to be able, when you are a good team and you're going to have to play nickel and dime, like you said, in sub-packages 90% of the time, you want to go 7-8 deep. And you look, I mean, if we saw anything last year, the last thing you need to see is Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett, you know, as the fourth quarter starts, literally standing there hands on hips, dragging and, and, and asking everything they can to their body for more when they've probably, you know, when they already played a rep count that would be, you know, would be the equivalent of a full game if they were properly used for other teams. Yeah, exactly. You, I mean, we we at PFF, have, uh, you know, we, we you and I had talked about this all season long that you need to have more depth on that defensive line just because of the, you have to be able to rotate these guys. Um, and then, you know, as the season went on, obviously you look at Miles Garrett, who was number one in uh, edge rusher snaps, and Larry Ogunjobi was number no, so Miles Garrett was number two in edge rusher snaps, and and Elio Gonjobi is number one in, in defensive interior uh, snaps, and so you got to give these guys breaks. So whatever they do, and I'm I'm not huge on them taking a, a defensive tackle in the first round, but I think you have to draft at least two of them, especially in a deep class like this, and that's another reason why I think maybe waiting on until the second round to take a defensive tackle is is a good idea, is because they're. Uh, this is such a deep class at that position, but the thing is that they they definitely need to bolster that position. And whether that's you know if they see it fit to do that in the first round with with a guy like you know Jeremiah Jones or you know Jeffrey Simmons and or Ed Oliver, whatever it happens, you know maybe uh, even Christian Wilkins is a guy that's going to be a you know a stud in the NFL too. Um, they got to bolster that this interior defensive line because it's. It, it it's basically it's basically Garrett and Ogunjobi and then basically nothing else because at least in terms of production because um, they they can't they can't run them to the ground you definitely need to keep them fresh especially when you know they'll be playing in the Super Bowl next year and you're trying to nice job nice job try, trying to get after the quarterback you need to have that good rotation well <laughs> and, and that's the other thing I mean because I mean look you know you know Gennard Avery's going to be here you know Chris Smith you know in a perfect world if this offseason goes right maybe he's fighting for that last spot Larry Ogunjobi better be the only name from the 18 roster that's on the opening day 19 roster listed as defensive tackle. If you're doing it right, none of the other guys should be back. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's no reason that Trevon Coley 
should be back again. I, he's not a. I mean, he's one of the worst defensive tackles in the NFL. And then you're. I mean, looking, God bless his heart. He tries, but I mean, you just are what you are. Yeah, exactly. You're not. You're not. Uh, you know, writing home, going. Yeah, we 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 were set at defensive tackle because we had Trayvon Coley on the team. <laughs> it's obviously just not the case. Like he's, you know, he tries hard, but he's he's not good at it. And the rest of the team, for whatever reason, Greg Williams couldn't trust them really until later in the season and even at that point you've you've given miles garrett you know over a thousand snaps larry and you know 930 of them um brian you know it's just thing you you made these moves so you got rid of danny shelton which i mean in in its i understand the, the doing that but he's a somebody that could have helped uh just as a rotation piece just a person that's out there to give those guys breathers um, and then you've drafted a guy like Chad Thomas, who didn't, you know, play 22 snaps. And then that at cut down time, when you you're rotating the the churning the bottom of your roster, you picked up a, you know, Devereaux Lawrence who played two snaps all year. So it's yeah, they, essentially you're going to look at Miles Garrett, Logar- Larry Ogunjobi, probably still have Emmanuel Ogba, and then the rest of those guys are going to be new. Maybe Chris Smith will come in there and, and stay, but. I'm assuming all the rest of those guys are going to be new. Yeah, and you know this is what you're going to do. I mean, you have to do now. I mean, if you look at the offensive side of the ball, could you add? Sure, you could add. But I don't think it's going to change the fact that you gave up, I think it was almost 2,300 yards rushing last year. Um, you know, The fact that you were still you know, getting scored upon, getting thrown upon, you got to add more on that depth. And look, you can ask all, you know, you can get all the great defensive backs you want. But if there's times where a quarterback's got four plus seconds, it's not going to matter. You can't chase somebody around for five seconds and for them not be able to find a window on a football field to have a throwing lane for their quarterback. Guys, the um, Instagram, Twitter pages for the Locked On NFL Network. Uh, obviously, everything is from every show, whether it's you know the team specific shows, the Locked On NFL podcast show, the you know the, the main hub here, or the draft shows or the fantasy shows. Everything is run through those both accounts, the Lockdown NFL Net account on Twitter, the Lockdown NFL Net account on Instagram, guys. So if you're not following either of those accounts, uh, accounts on either of those social media platforms, please go ahead and do that for us now. Um, before we shift it on over, John, uh, I'm going to sneak in a seminal. You know I'm always going to sneak in a seminal here. Uh, Brian Burns. Um, look, obviously, the first thing I'm going to say is, look, Brian Burns needs to put on some weight. Nothing wrong with that. But... Um, his 2018 season, why, while a very established program hit an absolute, basically just, you know, I mean, you know, a sinkhole, if, if that's the word you want to use, because the program absolutely did hit a sinkhole. But Brian Burns absolutely just continued to shine as a pass rusher this year for Florida State. Yeah, um, you know, that defense for Florida State was pr- decent. They, you know, what the issue for Florida State this year was their offense. And if you watch you need offensive linemen, John. You need offensive uh, linemen. They usually work. I've literally never seen an offensive line that bad, and I'm a Kansas fan. <laughs> I, I Kansas, and their offensive lines have been tr- atrocious for ever since I, since Mark Mangino was was fired. So like, it's it's it was flat out embarrassing how bad that offensive line is. It's it I it's. It's, if you want to have a good laugh, go watch them. You know, against Notre Dame, it was just it was a train wreck. But Brian Burns on the other side of it probably had field days in practice against them because um, you know he's a he's a explosive off the edge, uh, really good uh, bend around the corner, good hand usage, a guy that 
can you know he can win with speed and win in a variety of ways. Uh, not a good run defender, which um, you know if you're going to ask him to hold up the uh, you know the, the edge and and force things back inside, he's not going to be great at that. Uh, but what he can do is get after the quarterback. Um, has eight sacks, ten hits, forty nine hurries this year. Um, has really put up you know even. Last year wasn't a great season for him. Uh, he was good, but it wasn't anything spectacular. Uh, but as a in 2016, you know, as a freshman, he did put up 10 sacks uh, in limited number of snaps. So uh, a guy that can get after a quarterback, and I think you're you're looking at him to be a pass rush specialist early on in his career until he can put on more weight and be more of an every down player. Um, but I think he's he has a as a has a spot in the NFL because he has that pure athleticism and a fr- I think he has a frame to put on weight that he'll need to. Um, but he's he's a guy that I like, and he's like one of the br- few bright spots basically on that Florida State team, which is ouch you know, tough to you know tough for Florida State fans. I get it, but it's it's true. <laughs> look, there'll be better days. There'll be better days. Um, and one of the things here, and look, guys, even if it's whether it's the defensive tackle position or it's you know a pass rusher. You guys got to realize, these guys are going to be the second fiddle to a Larry Ogunjobi or the second fiddle to a Miles Garrett. So the fact that they are really great at what they do and they're just coming to join forces with players who are already more established with, than them and better than them, my God. I mean, I mean, and here's the thing. I mean, if it was a guy like Burns, uh, you know, you could go with an Avery on one side, a Burns on the other, kick Miles inside uh, for guys on hand. Larry Ogunjobi or Emmanuel Agba, who plays with the discipline if he doesn't get the initial rush to get his hands up. That's pretty formidable in nickel and dime situations. It's not far away to make this D-line. I know, and me and John are saying here, look, there's not a lot of names, but you bring in a couple of guys, and then you just need some role players after that better. I mean, because the guys they had, I don't even know if they would qualify as role players, John. Yeah, you're right. It's... I mean, this this the defensive line is gonna. I'm, I'm assuming is gonna look a completely different next year for the Browns. And um, obviously, you have some core pieces there that you can build around. Um, and it's just it's just putting you know obviously getting the rotation pieces. And there's obviously free agency that can uh, will dictate how they kind of go go into the draft a bit. Uh, so yeah, I mean you you got to get guys. One, I think a lot of pass rush too is is being able to scheme it open or scheme it for for pressure. I mean, I think you look at this, um, you know, the AFC Championship game. It, just if you ask pretty much anybody who has the better defensive line, is it the Patriots or the the Chiefs? Uh, the Chiefs clearly have the better better defensive line pass rush unit. When you have Chris Jones, D. Four, Justin Houston, all you know, able to get you know one of the either pretty much an elite level of pass rushers or very close to it. Whereas the Patriots have Trey Flowers, not really all that much else, but Patrick Mahomes is under pressure on about 50% of his dropbacks. Whereas the Patriots, uh, uh, Tom Brady was under pressure on just 15%. And that's because the Patriots defense uh, secondary was better for one, but um, they schemed it open. You're able to, to, you know, fake blitzes, and you're able to stunt, you're able to do things to get these guys uh, after the quarterback and frustrate an offensive line. Nobody really does it better than the Patriots. And so if you can get guys, you know, to be able to smart guys, understanding leverages and stuff like that, that can go a long ways. Um, and that's what they'll need to do is, is basically bolster these, this defensive line and 
pass rushing unit to to be able to to create pressure. Exactly what you're looking for. And guys, look, you know, we look. I I enjoy talking to the defensive side of the ball, but I love talking to the offensive side of the ball. So I chose two names here. Um, you know, one obviously is going to be obvious. There's always going to be the connection. Um, between, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown in Oklahoma and obviously with Baker Mayfield. But I, I do think y- you want, and this is what we saw where the offense started to click later in the year was it was time to, you know, I don't want to say Baker was babied because he needed to be babied, but he was kind of babied. All of a sudden, Freddie Kitchens came in and said, hey, we're, we're going to let it rip a little bit. Now you want to let it rip. You bring in a guy like Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be the guy that you can truly say is your one or your two, because I mean, look, kid's tiny. We're not, I mean, we're, let's not beat around the bush. He's tiny, but what he can bring, and I, I think he showed a lot more this year with Kyla Murray as far as being a more overall wide receiver. I think for Baker, it was more of the all right, you go deep. If they can't handle you, we'll hit you. This year it was more of he was the featured receiver, and you saw more cross, you saw more some more crossing routes. You saw some more, you know, you know, fifteen yard, you know, hitches where he was able to just get guys back on their heels and break it off. You saw more of a receiver this year with Hollywood Brown than just a true vertical threat. Yeah, I agree. You know, he obviously has a small frame, and he reminds a lot of like the Sean Jackson. Um, yeah, I mean, because that's the one thing. Everybody wants to try to put the Tyreek Hill thing up. Tyreek Hill's pretty thick dude. I mean, he get, the guy's pretty put together for being a little bit shorter. Yeah, Hollywood def- Brown, not so much. Anybody seen his neck in his pictures? Everybody talks about, like, yep. uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and his, his neck. And, and what, who is the other guy? It was, uh, he's always compared to the other linebacker. I can't remember. But, like, like Tyreek Hill's neck is, in those pictures, like, is he, like, I don't know what he's doing, but he's got this this neck that's wider than his head. Essentially, it's unreal. But so he's a thick dude. He's obviously uh, <laughs> incredibly fast. And you want to talk about uh, a guy that can burn? Hollywood can not at the type that that Tyreek can. There's not really anybody that can. But other than uh, John Ross, and it hasn't worked out for him. Yeah, and and, and the thing is, what's interesting about him is that. Um, he he showed all that in college, and so uh, you know it's interesting if to see if having a new uh, head coach in there, which is rumored to be Zach Taylor, is going to help him also. And I hope it does because John. I Ross hope it. Does. I hope it helps with the new quarterback because that was a. It, he, he literally got he, John Ross got his college quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, pretty much, and so it's uh, he's he's a guy that I like, and I want to see him succeed because um, you know I liked him, but if not, then I to figure out what a not not to go just for this these guys that can just beat guys because of speed in college you have to look at everything else which is you know can you can you when you're running your routes are you are you fluid with your routes you're you're not you know you're you're, you're setting up a defender with your, your route running if when you he's flipping his hips he's able to to break off that um what what hollywood brown does is he does some of that pretty well um you, you see um, you see him to become more of a receiver this year, which I agree. There's a lot of stuff that he they they scheme open for him. Um, th- some things that he does have trouble with is, is fighting through contact with physical DBs um, because he is so small. You look at the Alabama game; that was a c- concerning game. They did double him a lot in that game, which 
makes sense because he's their biggest threat. But um, you know, he's because he's also small. He does struggle with contested catches and stuff like that, and plays to his size. But we really what it is is that he's he is a explosive player that you can uh, put inside outside, and he's going to threaten defenses vertically. Um, and if you you know, there's there were times in, in during the season where he was um, off the you know off the page with uh, uh, Kyler Murray. He wasn't on the, wasn't on the same page with Kyler Murray, which was a bit concerning. That you know he was adjusting to routes improperly or adjusting to what the defense is showing. So there's that too. But uh, essentially, what you want to do is scheme things up for him because he's explosive with the ball in his hands and down the field, and he can make uh, uh, good catches down the field. And so. Um, He's got big numbers. Obviously, everybody knows his numbers. He he did drop seven passes each the past two years, um, but he's forced a you know good number of missed tackles. Had ten last year, eighteen this past season, um, and gets gets good numbers after yards after the catch. He's averaged nine point five after the catch in his career. So um, it'll be interesting to see him because you know the the one game that you wanted him to to really show out was against Bama, and he had five targets zero catches and had two drops so um i like him i like him but i don't think he's quite the first round type talent that he's probably going to get drafted to but um you know if he's there in the second round i think he's a guy that you go after yeah and for me like um and i go back to a name like philip dorsett and look i I think hollywood brown is a 10 time better prospect philip dorsett went round one it didn't make any sense um, if Hollywood Brown goes round one, it, look, that's probably and look, you, you know, obviously it's it's for me, guys. Hollywood Brown is forty nine; he's not seventeen. Uh, I'm not looking at him there. We got one last name that uh, we brought up here. I, I got I got to mention something too. Like so, you know, obviously, and everybody likes to talk about a wide receiver being a need for the Browns. I think it's you. Like, you know, this is not where I stand. But go ahead. Yes, I know this, but there's. I think you can add to the room. Because you always want to have, if you can if you can improve that room, you should do it. But um, you, you, when you look at like having a true number one wide receiver, who's the you know one, especially once Josh Gordon went down, who's the Patriots' true number one wide receiver? Well, can I mean, you, I guess you would really? say I guess you would say it's Edelman, but that's more of I, a comfortability factor. I guess right, and then. But you also then look at the Rams. Who's really their true number one wide receiver? Is it is it the guy who's open? This is what you had, and this is what I've been trying to say to everybody. Right. This is what happens when you have good quarterback play. As long as the guy can catch the ball and can get open, and if you have five guys on the field and you're you know five guys running routes, six is going to find him. It don't matter. It, it, you're absolutely right. And then you also look at Kansas City. I mean, I guess Tyreek Hill is their number one wide receiver. But if you truly define number one wide receiver, it's a hundred reception guy. Yeah. And then I, I definitely, I think you see that the, the Saints have a number one guy in Michael Thomas. But that's like one five- team where that's one team. Yes, late in the year where you could say there's no doubt, you know, questions about it. That's their but, dude. Drew Brees still spreads it around. There will be games where like seven, had, U- like, seven no UDFAs caught touchdown passes. Yeah, he's seven. It's so it's 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 one of those things that like, um, it's a luxury. But I think I think Kyle Shanahan said this a number of years ago when he had Julio Jones. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's great to have Julio Jones, but I don't need a Julio Jones. And he's right, you don't. 
you get guys that get open and has built, outside of like Randy Moss, has Bill Belichick ever had a true number one? No. And he only did that move because it was like literally it was like stealing candy from a baby. It's like, well, if you don't want <laughs> yeah. Randy Moss, yes, I'll take Randy Moss. And that's what he did with Josh Gordon, who obviously has all the talent in the world. It's like, mm, okay, you're going to get rid of him. I'll, yeah, I'll throw you a fifth if you give me a seventh. Yes. And that's what he did. He, yep. took, he took a flyer on a guy, like literally taking candy from a baby, baby type thing where it was uh, the risk-reward for him. It's like, listen, if this guy's going to screw up, I can cut bait. There's not a problem for me. I, don't, I have no attachment to this guy, but if he produces, then you guys are idiots and for not, <laughs> not going for him. So. But honestly, and that was something. Obviously, you know, with Josh ended up, you know, and look, you know, suspended again, or obviously, you know, and, and having his issues. It was a win-win either way, because the Browns were able to get themselves Need away from us. Yes, yep. exactly. I mean, it had been too long, and, the, and, and what I guys I had said a million times is, he was no longer the best player on the Cleveland Browns, so he was not afforded the luxuries that you were giving him anymore. You couldn't do it to a Miles Garrett. You couldn't do it to a Baker Mayfield. You couldn't do it to the other guys in the building. It was just not the right way to do. It was not the correct message to send. Now, there's one guy and one more guy we're going to hit here. And when I first, you know, I sent John the names, and right even before we recorded, he's like, well, I'm not sure running back's a big need. I don't think running back is a major need. What it is, I'm looking for somebody probably, even if it was that second, third round pick or day three, You've got a great thing going here with Nick Chubb. And if something were to happen where Nick Chubb is going to miss a game or two, you want to have somebody who's going to be able to handle 15 carries a game. And guys, it's not that I dislike Duke Johnson, but obviously this franchise views him, and now it's been through two GMs. It's been through you know two head coaches. This is not what this franchise views Duke Johnson as being you know as the best part of him. So I'm going to need somebody to at least, look, I mean, Nick can handle 20-plus carries a game. It's not even that. But I want somebody who can handle 10 to 15 carries a game where it's traditional run. And like we've been talking about, late in the game, it's you know if you're going to be a good team, you're going to be a nickel and dime on defense. You're also going to be looking to run clock on offense. So we're going to need a running back. God forbid something happens and Nick you know misses a week or two. A name I really like for this scenario, uh, John, is is Benny Snell out of Kentucky. Yeah, I, li- I like Benny Snell. And uh, to to piggyback on your your whole running back thing, I agree. You know, I'm not going to touch running back until day three if you're going to draft a running back, and it's basically to have bodies in that room because running back by committee is my preferred preferred method you look at what the bill belichick has done over the years even though he spent a first round draft pick on a running back which i think pretty much shocked everybody that he he would do something like that but um he still yeah he still uses that rec you know four different guys to give the ball to um because essentially those guys can get hurt because of how often they touch the ball um so you want to be able to rotate these guys and you want to be able to um, have guys that can replace um, each other, right? So if you're looking at Benny Snell out of Kentucky, this is a guy that I really, really like because he plays with with great vision, patience, and explosiveness. So he's going to wait to see the hole. He's going to find that hole, and he's going to hit it really quickly and does a really good job with that. Um, obviously had great numbers at Kentucky all all four or three three years that he's been there. Um, and what's an interesting stat? Go ahead, hit him, buddy. Hit him with it. 
He for, so like he forced 44 missed tackles in 2016, 44 tackles in 2017, and 44 tackles in 2018 all on the ground, which is a pretty interesting number. And he doesn't fumble it all that much. He, he has five in his career. He had one this year uh, in the first game of the season, had two in each of the past two years. Um, and 44 missed tackles, uh, forcing that many is, is, is not an astronomical number. It's, you look at it like a David Montgomery last year. I haven't even looked at his numbers this year, but he forced – over a hundred um, in his last year. You look at Nick Chubb, who um, had, you know he met, he forced more in in college than what Snell did. Uh, another guy to look at is Melvin Gordon, who um, forced a ton. He had like the previous record before. Um, he had the, he had the record initially, and then you know Kareem Hunt and broke that. And obviously he was a great NFL running back until. You know he's probably no longer in league. So, um, force forcing missed tackles is is a good number, and he's he's done that well throughout his career. And he's, um, I think the best part of him is that he, you know, he's averaged three point five yards uh, per carry after contact, which again with that offensive line that Kentucky has isn't a great offensive line. He makes a lot of that obviously work for himself. Uh, he protects the football. He's and and essentially for me when it comes to running backs is that he has he has great balance he has great vision he has great patience he has and he has explosiveness and that's all the things that you want to see from a running back uh as, when they run the ball um when it comes to him as a receiver uh he doesn't do all that much he only was targeted 21 times this year 13 times last year uh just barely cracked 100 yards this year at 105 so um that's the concern with him, and I think you want to, you know, if you want to. One thing though that that the Kentucky offense doesn't pass the ball all that well. Their quarterback is not a, is a running quarterback, so they just don't pass it much anyways. So maybe he's a better pa- uh, pass catcher than what we've seen. We just don't know. He hasn't shown it yet. And look, and that, that's about what I'm talking about though. So for this role, that's not what I'm looking for him to do. We've got a pass receiving running back here in Cleveland. But you're going to need somebody to do some of the dirty work, if God forbid. I, I think you need, and John, we, we talked a lot last all season. you were going to need wide receiver insurance policies. I think you're going to need a Nick Chubb insurance policy. And one of the reasons Benny Snell stands out to me is it's against SEC competition. The other thing that stands out to me is um, anybody who is a Lockdown Browns listener, if you can name a wide receiver or who the quarterback, quarterback was at Kentucky this year, Go ahead and do that because you want to know what uh, they were a good team. Uh, you know, won eight games, went to a bowl game, but I, I guarantee you, most people couldn't name the quarterback for Kentucky or who played wide receiver for them. So it was his Benny Snell. Terry, his name is Terry Wilson for those who are listening. By yes, the way, yes, and he was pretty much more <laughs> of a running. He was more of a running quarterback, and most of the time it was let's hope everybody's covered and I can find an avenue. But that's yes. that's what I'm talking about. Benny Snell was the game plan week in week out. If you were a defense and you were playing the Kentucky Wildcats, that's just you know. So Benny Snell for me would be a, a guy I'd be looking at there. And if it was, you know, even if it was the uh, you know the Patriots pick, uh, the Denny Shelton deal, which is pick ninety four, it'd be an interesting name for me. Um, John, it had been too long, but this was good. I feel good. Maybe we can get into this again in about a week or so. I, I needed my John Costco fix. Yeah, for sure. This was this is always fun to talk football. Now it's draft season, and I love draft season. You know, and it's funny. When it comes to, to draft season, every year for the past 20 years, it's like, all right, what quarterback are we going to take? Right. Don't need to do that anymore. 
don't need to do that anymore. And, and I think it was Ryan Burns that was on Twitter the other yep. day. It's like, hey, so you know who we're going to take in the draft? Don't care. Yep. <laughs> the whole attitude of the don't care thing, that was great. Yes, and it was the, um, if anybody watches uh, Lip Sync Battle, it was the Anne Hathaway doing uh, the Wrecking Ball, uh, you know, her version of that with the bird going to her opponent. I don't care about your mock draft. I don't care about your quarterback thoughts. And if I've picked up anything this week, you know, watching everything going on Senior Bowl, it's like, thank you, God, for Baker Mayfield. Thank you, oh, yeah. God. And this, this is something... Whole- and listen, guys, by the next time we're looking at quarterbacks, uh, my daughter could be hosting this show and John's sons could be guests by the time the Browns are seriously <laughs> concerned about quarterbacks. So that is a great thing. Guys, obviously, John works over at Pro Football Focus and does a fantastic job over there. So, uh, you know, check out his work, obviously, and uh, PFF Cleveland account. They put out a bunch of great stuff. Obviously, they're starting to shift closer to draft season now, so you're going to get more of their grades as far as the players there. And it's it's good stuff, and it, guys, it, it does it does relate, and so just go ahead, and check it out. Um, go ahead, John. I have, to plug, I have to plug something. We we just released our QB annual today, and I don't know if you've had a chance to look at this. I know that you have a subscription and everything. Of course, you will. I mean, it's how many pages? It's we got three hundred and forty-one pages on all the quarterbacks in the NFL this year, and it takes our advanced charting all the grades and breaks it down by pretty much every factor you can possibly imagine and it is glorious and there's and, one and there's one other thing from the pff guys um i believe it was since freddie kitchens took over um the number one wide receiver unit in the nfl over that span was the boys from your cleveland browns guys so everybody who says you need a wide receiver one here guys i don't see it and the other thing is, do you need a headache like an Antonio Brown? Or do you need, uh, is Odell Beckham going to be okay on a Sunday where it was 3 for 45? No, guys. it's it, it, Those guys aren't wired like that. All these guys here, and as much flack as I give Jarvis Landry is, you never heard him complain after a win for a 2 for 24 day. So, yes, bring in something. But everybody with this, you need a wide receiver one. It, it, it's just not the way it's going to work for this franchise. The Locked On Browns podcast, guys. Always keep it follow back. We're closing in on 4,000 followers, guys. Let's keep those coming here. Um, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, appreciate all the follows, all the feedback. Um, guys, iTunes, ratings, reviews, please got to have them. Need them. Need them, need them, need them. So keep those things coming. Um, it's been a pleasure with John here, guys. Uh, you know, John brings a lot more of the mathematical and, and the work and everything broken down to the, you know, the crossing of the T and the dotting of the I. And I do appreciate that and that work coming into this because sometimes, you know, if for me, you know, there's so many factors that you can use here. PFF is a great, great venue to use and add and contribute to the way you're viewing things, whether it's players play or anything of that nature. Um, as, you know, guys, it's been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. And as we put a bow on it here, guys, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.